Welcome to the Grappling Discourse Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Scaff. Today, I want to talk about one of my favorite quotes from the Book of Five Rings. The Book of Five Rings is a must-read. If you're into martial arts, if you're into self-improvement, you have to read this book. It was written by Miyamoto Musashi around 1643. Musashi is easily the most famous samurai of all time. He became renowned through the stories of his unique double-bladed swordsmanship and his undefeated record in his 61 duels. The next closest was 33. Essentially, Musashi went around Japan and dueled 61 other samurai and killed them all. However, I think the Book of Five Rings is Musashi's true legacy. In it, Musashi shares philosophies and strategies that can be applied to life, training, and self-improvement. I believe you can read this book many times, and each time you'll discover something new about life and yourself. Now, the quote I want to talk about today is from One Thing, No 10,000 Things. This quote can be interpreted a couple different ways. First, I think it shows a key difference in the Eastern and Western mindset. In Western culture, we are often encouraged to do everything well and to focus on those things that we do not naturally do well to improve upon them. This with the idea that we will become more well-rounded. I remember being told growing up by my teachers and my parents that I needed to focus on my weaknesses that it was more important for me to improve those weak areas rather than spend my time focused on improving the areas I was already strong at. In school, we all had subjects we didn't like. For some reason or another, they just didn't come as natural as some of the other subjects. For me, that was grammar. I hated English class. I hated it. Honestly, to this day, I still struggle with when to use a comma, semicolon, or dash. I remember on my ACT, I just really honestly guessed. I just guessed on most of the English portion. If I could have done well in the English portion, I would have killed the ACT. My parents and teachers, especially in high school, kept telling me to focus on English, focus on grammar, spend extra time. It's going to improve your future. And honestly, I think it was a big waste of time. Obviously, I know how to write a proper sentence, so we all need to be able to do that. But I wish I would have spent less time focusing on a couple of my weaker subjects and would have spent that time really cultivating and really learning more about the subjects that I excelled in. Another, and probably the most important reason it was important for us to be well-rounded growing up, was for college applications. Regardless of how smart you were, you had to show that you were involved with clubs, sports, school politics. It was so important to be involved in a multitude of things. Growing up, there were only two activities I wanted to do outside of school, and that was basketball and soccer. Now, I didn't have the height for basketball. My teams were always pretty good. I was always on the bench, and so I quit when I was in 10th grade and focused on soccer. I played soccer all my life. I loved practicing. I seriously did. But in high school, I knew from my college resume that I needed to add other aspects. I needed to join clubs. I needed to be involved in school politics. 
I didn't want to do any of these extra activities, but I knew and I'd been told that I wasn't going to be successful and I wasn't going to get into a good college without that. However, in the Eastern culture, the practice study of one thing is often more prized than general knowledge. Each person has their role in society, and each person is expected to perform that role with the highest of skill, regardless of how exalted or menial the task might be. In the Book of Five Rings, Musashi says in reference to the study of the art of the sword, that this is something that requires thorough examination with a thousand days of practice for training and 10,000 days of practice for refinement. 10,000 days is roughly 30 years of deliberate practice and devotion to the art. A lot of people in Western culture struggle to stick with something for six months, let alone 30 years. This deliberate practice and desire for mastery leaves little time for alternate study. The more I train jujitsu, the more important I realize this mindset is and how this mindset can really become a guide to life and to mastering other areas of life. The idea of this concentrated study is that through this one art, you will know all others. The implication is that mastery of one art allows the practitioner to understand the interconnectedness of events and objects and similarities in all things, and that truth is easier to find this way than in dabbling and being distracted by 10,000 different things. Because I think what you find is that when you get really, really good at one area of life, oftentimes it spreads to other areas. The same skill sets exist everywhere. Your response to negative feedback, to integrating new improvements, to ignoring external influences, and then cultivating discipline. This can all be built from an art like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and it can be applied to anything. From Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you can learn the most important lesson, and that is how you learn and how you improve. I also think this quote can be applied even deeper to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Because mastering one technique in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu will help you master every technique in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Because BJJ's governing principles are the same in every technique, you can apply the lessons you've learned from one technique to any other technique. Now, as a beginner, this may make zero sense to you. You may have no idea how a guillotine relates to back defense or how back defense relates to a footlock. But the better you get, the more connections you'll see. And the faster, or I should say, you'll get better much faster. Because once then you level up one technique, you'll be able to recognize and then level up other areas of your game. Your progress will truly start to multiply. A really good example of this is in just hanging weight. When you first learn a guillotine and then you get really, really good at the guillotine, you learn how to hang your body weight through the guillotine. So the arm drapes over and you hang your body weight on the neck and it causes your opponent to choke and then have to eventually tap out. Well, that same hanging exists in a triangle choke. You have to learn how to hang your weight and move your hips into the triangle position. You also hang your weight in leg locks. You need to learn how to be heavy on the legs. I tell guys all the time, I do all of my chokes the same. I wrap the guillotine 
and I, I attack the rear naked choke in the exact same way. So my guillotine arm may, does the exact same thing when I'm attacking a rear naked choke. When I'm attacking a Dars or an Anaconda, again, my attacking and choking arm does the exact same thing as I, I would do in a guillotine. The first guy I ever really heard talk like this was one of my good buddies and somebody I've learned a lot from is Daniel O'Brien. He's the head instructor at Triad Martial Arts in Coleman, Alabama. I remember asking Daniel one time about the correlation between his guillotine and his back defense. Because I had heard him say, ah, oh, my guillotine is the exact same way. I defend my, the back the exact same way as I uh, do my guillotine choke. And that made zero sense to me at the time. I just saw techniques as isolated techniques, as something that worked on its own. I didn't really see the correlation between especially something as different in my mind at that time as back defense and a guillotine choke. But what I've come to understand is that what he was saying is, is that he uses the principles, the same principles that make a good guillotine choke also make good defense from anywhere. And the more you understand jujitsu, the more first I think you realize that it's infinite, that jujitsu becomes simple but it also becomes infinite. The possibilities are endless. And to me, that's what makes the sport so exciting. I've told you guys many times, the first technique I fell in love with was the guillotine. It's the technique that I have had the most success throughout my white to black belt journey. I've tied in so many other techniques with what I've learned from the guillotine, from mastering the guillotine. I've learned and improved so many other techniques. And so I want you guys to think about currently what is your highest level move? It could be an escape. It could be a sweep. It could be a choke. It could be anything. But what is it? What area do you have the most work in? What area do you still get excited to go into the gym and work on? Now I want you to think about what makes that technique work. What are you doing that is causing you to have success with this technique? I want you to think deeper. Deeper than just because I'm better than this person or because I've been doing it for years. Truly, what are the principles behind the technique? The deeper you can answer this question, the more you're going to be able to apply it to any technique in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. But regardless, whatever you write down or whatever you think about, think about how you can apply it to the next technique your instructor teaches or a technique that you're struggling with. It could be an inversion. It could be finishing a rear naked choke. It could be escaping the mount. Think about what you can take from a technique you're already really, really good at, a technique that is your best. What can you take from that technique that will help you improve a skill in another area of the art? It's also important to remember how you got good at this one thing. So I got good at the guillotine because I worked on it. I've drilled it. I've continued to seek improvements throughout my Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu journey. I didn't settle for a white belt guillotine. I wanted a guillotine that would have success at the black belt level. And as I focused on that one technique, what I've learned is that, man, I can get success in any technique if I just follow the path of the same path, the technical path that I learned the guillotine through. And it comes with time. Now, the beautiful thing is the better you get, the less time it takes to level up a technique to your best level technique. That's one of my favorite things about being a black belt. 
is that I can take a technique and through the knowledge I already have, I can learn something and I can have success almost immediately. It's also helped me in cooking. You guys know that I've been working on my cooking. That's been one of my big focuses this year. And there are times I get frustrated because I want to be Gordon Ramsay already. But I just think about my early days of jujitsu. I think about how long it took me to get proficient at it. And the answer is honestly, I'm still just now probably getting to that proficiency level. You know, I'm almost at 10 years. And so I'm really honestly almost at the point where I think people, especially in the old days, or somebody from Musashi's time and culture would consider me a master. At Purple Belt, I might have thought I was a master, but I truly wasn't. I still had so much to learn, and I still was so ignorant of how much I did not know. And so with cooking, I just think about making those small improvements, and I'm sticking to a dish for a period of time instead of just constantly rotating. And so whether it's working on my eggs or working on cooking the perfect ribeye, whatever it is, I spend time to really work and to cultivate the technique that's needed to make a good egg or make a good steak. So I want this podcast to encourage you guys to focus on something, to focus on a technique in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that you love, to get good at it, to master it, to spend every day thinking about it, to spend every day getting a little bit better, because that work will apply to all other areas of Jiu-Jitsu. And you'll find that, man, when you level up a technique way above even your other techniques, the other techniques will soon follow. Because what you learn about jujitsu through that one technique will again be applied to every other thing you learn for the rest of your journey. The same is true for life. The more you train Brazilian jiu-jitsu, the better you get at it. The more you'll learn about life and the more you'll learn how to improve in other areas of your life. It really is a beautiful concept, and I truly believe that from one thing, you can know 10,000. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I cannot recommend The Book of Five Rings enough. I mean, Brandon's read it probably a hundred times. Probably any martial art influence, like somebody that's influenced your martial art journey, has read this book, and they've probably read it multiple times. It's a quick read, and it is so worth it. Remember, the PGF is going down Friday at 5 p.m. We're going to start the stream at 4 p.m. So I'm going to be doing some interviews, talking to some of the big dogs, just talking to anybody, honestly, that's in the tournament, and we'll see what happens. I really cannot wait. Man, I've gone back and forth on some of these picks. Just want to update you guys. There have been two guys drop out. So Josh Daddario is in for Jeremy Geiger. So Jeremy Geiger had a work issue come up. He just could not come Friday. He had an amazing season. So kudos to Jeremy. We're going to miss you Friday night. But um, Josh Daddario is going in for Jeremy Geiger. And unfortunately, Moises Carrasco is out. So Moises injured his knee from a heel hook by Jonathan Roberts. So if you guys remember that nasty backside 50-50 heel hook, it popped Moises' knee. He said he hasn't really been able to train this week. And, dude, Moises is as tough as they come, so I know that that knee must really be bothering him. But Blake Randall steps in, so he's going to be the eighth seed now, and everybody else will move up one. So 
Blake Randall will be facing Caleb McAllister. And, man, I'm happy to see Blake get in. I mean, obviously, I wish Moises could be in because he deserves to be in. But Blake had a great season, and, man, that match between him and Caleb should be an absolute war. But now Jonathan Roberts will face the he'll face Matt Harrison. So still a really tough match for Jonathan Roberts, but I definitely think this match is – I can't see – Matt Harrison beating Jonathan Roberts, and I still think we're going to be seeing the second part of Caleb McAllister versus Jonathan Roberts, the rematch. Until next time, guys, I love and appreciate you. Thanks for all the support. Peace.